There. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4 this morning. And I start thinking about how many people are going to be here, and I start looking around, and I know how many chairs we have, because you know we haven't had them that long, we just got them, so and I was thinking, do we have enough? And it works out, praise the Lord. And uh, well, I can't wait for that Sunday when we don't have enough chairs. Amen. <laughs> So that's not a good thing that we have enough chairs. I mean, it is, but it's not. I and mean, it is for those who are sitting down. But I, I volunteered this morning before anybody got here. I just wanted to show my humility to the church. I said, I volunteer. I'll stand up during the service today. And, um, I'm, I'm still doing that today. I just wanted to share that with you. Amen. All right. Judges chapter four. In our home, we got five boys. And so we like our Bible studies to be very exciting. So we cover a lot of the places and judges with the judges and things and it gets a little bit crazy sometimes with some illustrations and things and so we've covered this quite a bit but we i don't think i've ever preached out of this passage in this way and uh, so we're going to take it in a little bit of different direction this morning judges chapter 4 verse 17 says how be it sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of jael his wife the wife of heber the kenite for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and came unto him and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. I thought this was kind of funny because if I ask for some water and somebody gives me milk, I'm like, wait a second, I'd rather have some water. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a real big milk drink drinker. But anyway, this was a something that she was doing, and you know, it was a compliment to him. And again, he said unto her, stand in the door of the tent. And it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say, No. And then Jael Heber's wife took a nail of the tent and took an hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Now, Anybody that says the Bible's not exciting to read. She fastened it down, and I guess that's what you would call sleeping fastly. Amen. Yes. <laughs> sleeping fast. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Father, that we'd, you'd help me as I preach. I pray, Lord, this would be something that, that we need, the exact message for this, this hour, Lord. I pray that you keep all the distractions away. Help us, Lord, not to be thinking about what we're going to be doing this afternoon or this week or even in a few minutes, Lord, but I pray that we just put everything aside. Lord, be able to concentrate on the message that you have for us here today. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, I do need your help. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to hearts like only you can. Lord, I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We find over in Judges chapter 5, in verse 28, it says this, The mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, why is his chariot so long and coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariot? So we see a lady 
has gone out. I thought about preaching this on Mother's Day, but I thought, no, I'm probably not. I don't really know where to go with that one, you know. I mean, couldn't look for a great example of a godly mother from this this woman. But, you know, as we're looking at it, she looks out there and she's waiting for her son to return. She's there waiting. We know because we read the beginning of the story that he's not coming home. Right. He's not coming home that day, but right. yet she's there and she's waiting. And I got to thinking about this many times that there's many of us that are waiting for things that are never going to happen. We see, a, 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 I look through the Bible in different places and I find this is one of the best illustrations that we can find of waiting for something that's really not going to happen. You know, I, sometimes I feel that way when I'm waiting on my wife in the grocery store. It's like it's just waiting in vain. It's not going to happen, you know. And uh, there's only so much, so long you can listen to the radio, and that's done. And especially when you're sitting with the kids and the little one starts crying. That will try your patience, I'm telling you. I'm, I, I just, I'm right there. That will try your patience, and I'm a very patient man. And, um, you know, the kids don't mind running around in the parking lot for a while. <laughs> She was waiting for her son to come home. This story is a tragic end. We see that. We understand that for some, but it's also a a great ending for God's people. God's people were liberated. God's people, God brought them out of bondage once again, and he delivered them. We know from the judges. Uh, uh, And so we see a great example of this today. But what I want to look at today is some things that we're waiting on. You know, many today are doing the exact same thing. They're waiting for something that's never going to happen. They're waiting for something that that uh, they're just waiting in vain. I know the Bible says to wait on the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 14, to wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I understand that. But waiting on the Lord in the Lord's time, God's timing is not our timing. Amen. Right. So the Lord sometimes does things and he He works uh, in ways that we think that he's not going to do something for us. And all of a sudden he brings it around for us. We've been here in New Brunswick for 10 years. And I can say there's been a lot of things happen that I would have never dreamed that would have happened. And I can say also that there's a lot of things that didn't happen. That I thought for sure they were going to happen. You know what? God's in charge. And we just need to wait on the Lord. But I'm talking about something different today. This morning, I want, I want to ask you something. What are, what are you waiting on in your life? You know, it's springtime. Uh, we have uh, schools going to be getting out, and, and our, our boys are, are pretty much finished up for the year. We had the, you know, praise the Lord, the great celebration when school's out. You know, it's just, it's, it's liberation. You feel like you've been liberated, at least for a few months anyway. Amen. But there's there's many that are graduating, you know, they're looking to their life. Now, what are we going to do? And I, you talk to some that are graduating and they say, well, I'm just going to wait a while and see what happens. I'm just going to live life. And, and I can remember when I graduated, I thought, you know, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I looked up to, in Alaska. I thought about going up there for a while and I just was looking around and, and I thought, I'm, you know, what, what do I want to do? And before I knew it, the year was gone <laughs> and I was Still going on, looking around, look what we're going to do. You know, you got to be careful. You don't just find yourself just waiting, and all of a sudden, time passes you by. First thing I want you to see, there's many today, and we talked to some this week, that are waiting to find peace with God apart from the blood of Christ. There's many today who are waiting to find peace with God apart from the blood of Christ. I dealt with a man not too long after we moved over, and he was... 
he was lost and and uh, I, I can remember dealing with him and, and talking to him. And I remember one of his family members were, were kept asking me, has he made peace with God? Has he made his peace with God? There's no making peace with God apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Many folks don't like to talk about the blood of Christ. It's okay to mention Jesus. It's okay to mention God, but we got to leave the blood separate because you know, that, that divides so, so much. Well, I praise the Lord that we are divided. Amen. And I'll stand with the blood of Christ on that side. As a matter of fact, many would just as soon rewrite history and convince themselves that although Jesus' death was tragic, that it was unnecessary. I can remember Brother Eldon telling me a story about him going to the funeral at the United Church of Canada and the minister, how she broke down because she just didn't, she could not explain to anybody why Jesus had to die. And I can remember Brother Elton saying, if you just give me five minutes, I'll tell you exactly yeah. why. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we know why he came and why he died. So if you're looking and you're waiting and trying to find peace with God apart from the blood of Christ, you're waiting in vain. Right. I've met a number of people who have told me that they are trying to live their life like Jesus. They're trying to follow the Lord and try to follow his example. Can I say, as a Christian, that's a good thing. But for a lost person, thinking that they're going to gain salvation because they're following the example of Jesus and living their life like he lived his life, it will end in destruction. Right you won't find peace with God apart from the blood of Christ. It wasn't through his life, or through his perfect and sinless life that brings salvation. It was his death. It was the shedding of his blood on the cross of Calvary. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say whether it be things on earth or things in heaven. There's nothing that can be reconciled to God apart from the blood of Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can have peace with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, or chapter 5, verse 19, the first part of that verse says to, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God authored the plan of salvation. The plan of redemption. We cannot work around that plan of redemption. Right. Now, I know the world, and especially if you listen to CBC, that's just enough to drive you completely crazy. Right. There's a spot where, where I'm baiting that I, the only thing that comes in is the CBC. I almost moved the baits out of that site, amen, because it's just so bad. I just I, I, I praise the Lord for the, some of the cassettes that, that Carol's given me because I can listen to some of them instead. But you look, you listen to them, and you know it's – what is this pride month or something they're saying it's you know they're celebrating all this yeah. and they're bringing out all this stuff about pride yeah. you know the bible has a lot to say about pride right. and it's nothing good right. it's nothing good i wouldn't be pride of 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 my sin amen prideful of my sin god authored the plan of redemption in acts chapter 4 verse 12 neither is there salvation in any other for there is none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. So if you're waiting to make peace with God apart from the blood of Christ, it cannot be done. If you're here today, listen, I I don't take for granted that a crowd of this size, that there's somebody that's not saved. And if you're here today, maybe you've been coming from day in and day out, Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday night after Wednesday night, and you're here and you just have never been saved. You say, well, that's not possible. Absolutely, it is possible. 
If you're here today and you say, well, I'm, I'm okay because, you know, I, I come to church or I go to church. How many people are thinking they're okay because they go to church? Right. Their name's on the roll. Right. Our neighbors, bless their hearts. When we first moved in, the first words that she said to me is, we go to Trinity. And I don't care where you go. If you're lost, you've got one destination. Right. Right. You could be here today. And just because you're in this church and we preach the right stuff, we have the right book, just because we, we sing the right kind of music doesn't guarantee a way of salvation. Right. If you're waiting to make peace with God apart from the blood of Christ, it cannot and will not be done. Right. Secondly, we see many are waiting in vain for a better time to get saved. You say, well, I'm just waiting. I'm going to, sometime I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to do it. You know, later on, or many people say, well, I'm going to do it when I graduate, or I'm going to do it after I get married. I, I actually talked to a fellow one time. He's like, well, no. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't want to know too much about all that stuff because I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to hear it because I want to get married, have my family and enjoy life a little bit. And then he said, then I said, I'd like to get saved and we'll, we'll join a church somewhere. And I said, boy, you're going at it all wrong. You're going, yeah, but I, if I don't know about it, he said, then I'm not really, you know, guilty of, 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 of all this. Said, oh, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You say, well, there's plenty of time. Of course, that's a lie from the devil. We don't have plenty of time. You know, we know from, from the experience in our church how short life is. And what we face, just in the, it's just within a year, two years and three years. What we face here and those we've loved that we've lost, Time is so short. Time is so short. We don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. We don't have plenty of time. How often people say, not now. I'll accept Christ someday, but not right now. But the Bible says, behold, today. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not. Listen, if I was here today and I realized that I was lost, I think I'd stand right up now and say, excuse me, I need to get saved. And I'd love nothing better than to stop right now the service and for you to get saved. There's nothing more important than trusting Christ. You catch what it says here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's not sometime. It's not later on. It's not when, when things are going a little better, when you got your bills called up. It's not... You know, maybe this fall after the busiest of summer, but it's right now. We're not guaranteed that we're going to see even our beds tonight. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that you're saved, you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring, bring forth. You kids need to listen to this. Because you, you think, well, I'm, I'm young and I've got time to you know, spend and I've got summer vacation now. But listen, you need to listen. The graveyards have kids buried there too. It's not just older people that die. Young people, people of all ages, they have funerals and they bury them. And I'm not trying to scare anybody here, but maybe we should be scared. Do you know they make caskets of all sizes? And you know why? Because there comes a time when every one of us will die. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. 
There's no promise of tomorrow. There's no better time to get saved. There's no better time to come to him than right now, the here in the now. We see also number three, we're, we're waiting in vain for God to bless unfaithfulness. If you're a Christian and you say, well, I, I just want God to bless me. I, I just want God to, for once, I just want God to bless me. Maybe God wants to bless you. But God's not going to bless unfaithfulness. God's not obligated to bless our lives if we're not faithful to be obedient to his word. I don't know if I've read anywhere, and I've read the, the book cover to cover several times, but I don't know where anywhere where I've read just because we trust Christ that we're going to have all the blessings of God just because we're saved and we can live in the old way we want to. And live like we're not saved, we're still going to experience the blessings of God. <coughs> Absolutely not. There's no doubt in my mind that we... We want the blessings of God upon our lives. I don't know about you, but I actually pray for God to bless me, for God to bless my family, for God to bless this church. I pray every single day. I want to experience. You say, well, that's kind of selfish. I know. I come When I'm praying, I am a very selfish person a lot of times when I pray. You cannot separate the blessings of God from the obedience to God. That's right. That's right. The Bible says in John 27, the latter part of the uh, or John chapter 20, the latter part of verse 27, not be not faithless, but believing, believing. And in first Corinthians chapter four, verse two says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God expects faithfulness. He expects faithfulness. When, when a preacher stands up Sunday after Sunday and he preaches the word of God, I, I know you kind of get this feeling that, well, he's been around and he understands he's been talking on the phone and he understands what people need and that's what he's preaching on. Yeah. I remember Brother Eldon told me about a man, maybe Carol could tell us his name, but he, he told us about when he started preaching, he would just go around and he would listen in the windows of some of the people that were in his church. And that's what he would preach on come Sunday. It's like, okay, <laughs> wow. It's like nothing like reading your own, their mail, amen. And you've heard people say, well, he's been reading my mail. He actually probably was listening outside the window. <laughs> so, wow, we need to be faithful. God expects faithfulness. God expects faithfulness in prayer. In prayer. You know, we've been busy the last, well, since Isaac was born. Well, probably two weeks before Isaac was born. I started working there at the house and doing some things. And, and I thought, well, I've got plenty of time. I mean, it's going to take forever before she's going to want to go to the hospital and everything, you know. And so I started working and Isaac was born. And But ever since then, it seems like it's been a blur. And I can't, I promise, almost every week I have to remind us as we sit down and have a prayer time and our devotions that we cannot be too busy to pray. We cannot be too busy to read the Bible. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Right. Now, if we're just being totally honest with ourselves this morning, how many of us try to get things that we want on our own? Sure. I, love, I love hearing stories about people who have prayed for certain things. Right. John was telling me this morning about praying and, 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 and the Lord providing a car for them that they needed. Right. Well, not everybody's going to get a Cadillac, Brother John. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Amen. Some of us, some of us, the Lord blesses even more. It gives us a Ford. Amen. Come on. 
Amen. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> Let me be faithful in our prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You know, it's not, you say, well, that preacher down there, he's old-fashioned. I, we had some brake problems the other day. Josie come home, she said, there's no brakes in the van. Well, you know, sometimes ladies say certain things about mechanics. Oh, well, I'll check it out. So I got in the van and we're getting ready to come to church Wednesday night. And I push my foot in and she goes all the way to the floor. It's like, you're right. There's no brakes in the van. That's why we come through and we did a couple donuts out here just to slow <laughs> ourselves down. Amen. But I was up in the, in, the, in, the, in the shop talking to the mechanics and I started witnessing to him. He's like, boy, he got all spiritual. And he's, he's, he's almost been here before. I mean, he walked past here last Sunday with his little boy. I was like, well, my word, praise the Lord. You know, you're part of us now. You walk past. <laughs> and, you know, they, they get spiritual. And, and here, here's where it's at. I, I, I was busy. I was there. And I just wanted to, I, I was on the tip of my tongue to say, I, I just need a vehicle so I can go. And I'll come back and pick this one up at another time. And the Holy Spirit said, absolutely not. You stay right here. You stay right here. We get too busy to pray. We get too busy and, and, and we get called up in things. Be careful for nothing, but but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You know, I, I think that you need to pray about everything. Everything. I, I do. I think that when you're, on a, when you're looking at a job before you, you get that job, I think you need to bathe it in prayer. Sometimes God might say, yeah, this is the job or... You might think this is a job, and they might say, yeah, this is the job. We want to hire you. And God says, no, I don't think so. That's not the job for you. But you don't know that unless you're spending time in prayer and spending time with the Lord. God expects faithfulness in prayer. He expects faithfulness in Bible study. He says to study to show thyself approved. And this is important, the next two words, unto God. I... I have nothing to offer anybody standing up here. But if I study all week to show myself approved unto a congregation, I failed. If you study all week and you study the Bible because you're going to have a debate with somebody, and we're such great debaters nowadays, are we not? We love to debate. And we got all the facts down and we can really debate all certain things. But what we've done, we've studied to show ourselves approved unto man. And not unto God. Right. Who cares what man says? Right. Right. Study to show that self-approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the world of truth. You know what's going to happen if you study to show yourself approved unto man? You're going to be ashamed. <laughs> because you've studied in vain. Right. For waiting for God to bless us and we're unfaithful, we're waiting in vain. God expects faithfulness in prayer and Bible study. He expects faithfulness and witnessing. First Peter chapter three, verse 15 of memory verse of ours a few years ago, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's a good verse that right there, that verse we could just break down and we could preach on it a series on for several months. You know what it's saying? If somebody's going to ask you why you live like you live, why do you dress like you dress? And it used to be, I remember preachers preaching on it and, and, and ladies need to look different than the men. And when you're store, that's how, that's what this verse means. People are going to come up to you. But nowadays, you know what? We walk into a store. I walk into the store with my little boys 
And people all turn around and look at us like, you know why? Because we're not wearing skinny jeans. Yeah. We're not wearing, you know, the, the, the ways of the world. We're not wearing the things that the world wears. I dress, we dress our boys like little men. When they ask you why, you can give them a reason. You can give them a reason. I know we can't go without this one. God expects faithfulness in our giving. Giving, Malachi 3, verse 10. We know that. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Luke 6, verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured you again. I'm not saying that once you give and you, you give like you should to the church and give more to the church, like the blessings are just going to come rolling in and you're going to have more money and you're going to drive uh, the best vehicles that money can buy. I'm not saying that. But what I, what I am saying is God will bless you. Right. God will bless you. God never go back on his word. Amen. We also, God expects our faithfulness in our worship. Right. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, ever since I preached here, well, a month or so ago on, on worship, the Lord's really challenged my heart. And I, I, about worship, worshiping the Lord. And when we come, we have our congregational singing. Instead of just having a, you know, just singing it, enjoying the music, realize what we are doing. Amen. And I say today, faithfulness to God is not an option for us if we're truly born again Christians. God expects it from everyone who is saved. He expects our faithfulness. It doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter if you're just a child. It doesn't matter how old you are. I was I, Jacob and I was talking to an old fellow yet, just yesterday. He was out rebuilding his deck. 81 years old. You'd have thought he was... I don't know, in his 40s, the way he was swinging a hammer and looking around. And, and my word, I said, I hope I'm, I'm not good to shake when I'm your age. He's talking to him. But listen, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. God expects your faithfulness. If we're waiting for God to bless us, we've not been faithful. We're waiting in vain. We see her. She's looking out the, the window here and wondering why her son is, is so long to return from the battle. No doubt when he left, he was probably talking about, you know, what he's going to bring back and the spoils of war that he's going to have and what they're going to do. And he's going to build on the new addition over here. And, and boy, he's all excited about it. And she's waiting on it. And what's going to happen? You know, what's he going to bring me? What kind of souvenir is he going to bring me this time? And he's not coming. He's not coming. Oh, it's sad to see a mother waiting on her son. He's not coming. But it's not as sad as a person waiting for another way to make peace with God apart from the blood of Christ. It's not as sad as somebody who is who is lost and will not accept Christ. Not as sad as a believer who's waiting on God to bless them. And they're unfaithful. We have someone here today that have been saved just a short amount of time. There's a growing process, but it must start. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to, you know, just I'm good to go. I'm good. no. You know where it comes? It's study to show thyself approved unto God. Right. There's the study part of it. Right. 
And you get into the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, as the Bible says in John, I believe in verse 6, he said, he will guide you into all truth. Right, right. And he will. Right. What are you waiting on today? Are you waiting in vain? Are you waiting for a better time? Are you waiting for, you know, maybe, well, our meeting's coming up in, in, in July. I'm going to, I'm just, you know, I'm going to wait for then and then I'm going to get things right with the Lord. And, and I'm really, from then on, I'm going to really serve him. You know what could happen? Your old hard heart could get even harder. Yep. It can happen. Don't wait another day. If you're not saved, get saved today. Don't leave this building without knowing for sure that you're saved. Right. Like what Stanley said, I need, he, somebody said, you get saved, Stanley. I've settled it once and for all. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what it takes. Once and for all. Amen. If you're a Christian, Every one of us, from time to time, do things that we shouldn't do. And we need to bow your head right then and there. The second you know you've done something to offend a holy God, ask his forgiveness. Don't wait on God to bless you. Well, yeah, I'm going to wait and I'm going to, after my family's grown or, you know, after this or after that, you're going to, you're going to wait and time's going to get away from you and your waiting will have been in vain. Will have been in vain. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I ask you that you would just use this message to speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that if there be one here today, Lord, that's not saved. I pray, Lord, that they would have no peace. And then, Lord, they would have no rest until, Lord, they settle that. Lord, if there's anyone here today, Father, that's not right with you, Lord, you've saved them. But, Lord, they're just kind of going on and living their life like they want to according to their flesh. Lord, I pray that today would be that day when, Lord, they'd realize how wrong they are. I pray that you bless this time of invitation, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.